New for 96 with your hosts Kevin McCauley and Chris Nguyen. I, I really do feel like a lot of your mannerisms are itchy and scratchy cartoons, where it's yeah. just a series of pain. Nonsensical cartooniness. Yeah. Are you saying you as in me or you plural? Yeah, just you in general. Okay. You in, as an individual. Your <laughs> eye rolls are a small cartoon mouse pulling your eyes over your head. Okay. Well, this voice that's speaking, we're not going to introduce him. We don't need to. Uh, Chris, how are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, and while I've been practicing my Australian accent, if that won't give it away, just a little bit. Okay. Uh, I haven't gotten it down because it always goes into Cockney accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But maybe I should practice with something other than uh, sweep your chimney for you, Governor. You nail it. Eel pie. Wait, can Eel I even say that you. with an actual Australian Sweep your chimney for you, Governor. We nope, don't, that's we don't Cockney. Have chimneys. That's a slur, Never actually. had the chimneys, did we? <laughs> sweep your smoke tubes for you, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's literally a weird phrase for everything in Australian. I mean, like, you've been correcting me all night, like, for weird, like, I said, like, fork, and you were like, well, you mean, uh, robot tongs? Oh, spork. <laughs> spork, it? Yeah, spork. We had fajitas, you called those something obscene in yeah, American vernacular. Meat. Yep. It was nice. <laughs> yeah. It was nice, in it? Yeah. That was good fun. So we'll have a uh, we'll have audio oh, dubbed like over translation. <laughs> Corn towels, please. <laughs> I don't prefer the flower ones. Yeah. So we have with us on the show tonight Jordan Ramiljej. I think that's correct. We'll correct that in post. Mm-hmm. From classic water cooled. Oh, I, I really, I really do introduce myself these days in town. Now I've been around a while. as Kevin's better half. Ah, yes, indeed. Uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing. I have read that in the society pages under the <laughs> slumming it column. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So that would be. Would that be your competitor? The classic, society pages. No, classic water cooled because classic you're actually. Water. The proprietor of Modern Air Cooled. Oh, God. I, I, I don't want to come onto this particular platform and get too into the details of cars, but I really do think that the uh, the classic water cooled category of Porsche has slumped a oh, lot. Oh, no. You just teed him up for one of his getting into it, classic bullshit takes. <laughs> yeah. We have to put the explicit tag on this one. Oh, my God. Well, you got extra tape to record for. Mm-hmm these takes because it does tend to go on in an interesting way of course because you have an accent it is fun to suggest that the opinions that are shared by many many americans are are somehow better understood uh, or transferred through me and my weird accent yes right i'm glad you recognize the classic water cool category is not doing well well you know we'll get into that here in just a second as soon as we introduce the show (laughs) kevin yes what are we on? New for ninety six six exclamation that was, point. Was was yeah, it harmonious y- y'all, enough? Y'all, your practice is like for twenty minutes. I know and the exclamation wasn't exclaimed. Yeah. Also, were you <laughs> in trying, fact, I'm still surprised. Were you trying to say an episode number? Are we going to dub that in later? I like didn't the... know. I truly didn't know what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we'll we'll. Uh, We'll go ahead and we'll fix that. We'll Please dub in the Denver that. Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> <into that. laughs> 
later. <laughs> so episode Denver Broncos. Jordan, welcome back on the show. This is your, I think, fifth appearance. I, I think it's fourth. Is I, it fourth? I, I think we're we're in a particular gray area, and like all good podcasts, we're going to argue about the semantics. Yeah, maybe. But that's really what we do for most of the time. I'm going to have to fire our fact-finding intern. Kevin, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> you were on the episode that shall not be named that went to complete chaos uh, that uh, was, for reasons that won't be named, though it's and, highly and, suggested and that was because a real, of you. That was, that was a real mess. And, and look, I'm not taking any responsibility or even any real remembering okay, of that happening. The condition of you being on this episode was that you said you would take responsibility for that episode. Yeah, and, and I lied. <laughs> and I lied. Isn't it refreshing to hear, America? I, a public individual, lied. And I take no responsibility for any of my actions. And I never will. Well, you heard it here first. Wow. But I think I think there is an argument to be made. This is my third appearance. But there's also an argument to be made that is the fourth. Yes. You were present for a recording in which your audio, should we extract it? Well, the yes. new for 96 heads are going to be arguing over this in the subreddit. Yes. But we got it. We don't have time. We got to move. We got to move along. Oh, my God. All I right. I think we have some topics. All right. What we got? Well, okay. Well, that Cue was, I, I was teeing up you to hopefully find a topic. But, um, okay. So, just for example. Yeah. Jordan, mm-hmm. a month or two ago, excitedly told me. He said, we have to talk about this on the pod. And he said this words. He said these words. He said, he said, Spiker is the we work of cars. And we're not going to let him explain what that means. We're going to actually interpret what we think that means. Then we're going to move on to the next subject. Okay. I'm looking over at Jordan and he's just the lady with math floating over her head gif. uh, (laughs) Because I'm not quite sure (laughs) what is going on. But I guess there is maths happening here. Yeah, well, okay. we're counting on you to come up with an explanation because there's no one else that will speak on the subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I could not, I mean, Spiker is the we work of what now? Cars. Just cars, not a specific category of car. Spiker is the we work of cars. In that it is a scam? Because it is a little bit. Is I don't, it? Maybe I don't know. Well, I think it's a scam, and that everyone is like fascinated by Spiker. Is I is anyone them. fascinated by Spiker? No one even remembers Spiker. Spiker Maybe. for the listener was like a weird Dutch. I mean, I think pretty much mostly in the two thousands, kind yeah. of ceased to exist after twenty twelve. I'm sure it, somehow it exists ish. now as like an EV I'm brand sure or something. It does. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure it does. But like they made very ornate aviation themed cars like beyond ornate. Like everything was like brushed metal or chrome like plated chrome plated the steering wheel shifter. was like a boat steering yeah wheel, like so that to me that was a scam because i'm sure people bought them for you know five hundred thousand dollars what yeah some six-figure amount when i when in new york manhattan motor cars yeah. was the fancy car dealer and yeah. they had like porsche and a few other things and they were the licensed spiker dealer. really so they had a couple spikers so i saw like the c8 yeah. laviolette and things like that in the in the showroom i didn't know there was like sub models they had to different it. models that were all kind of the same thing i think it was like audi v8 powered okay that i have no idea do you remember yes. the was it like also a dutch company that made like that the dunkervort is that the 996 no okay i don't know what the dunkervort is i just say at this point i distinctly remember making that statement yeah 
Okay, we I have to have. Don't the... necessarily remember why I made that statement, but I have <laughs> okay. good reasons to defend it. Oh god! But that Not conversation what we're here to do. immediately veering off to the Dunkelvort. Well, I tell you what, very y'all. You have a wh- <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, should we let him try to explain? I think that? you should, and I tell you, if it helps you to rediscover that seed of an idea, you have whiskey in front of you. Feel free to reenact it with the whiskey. Reenact it by drinking more and more until the idea makes sense. Mm. No, so the idea makes a lot of sense because for for a, a short, we have a time limit on and answers. a glorious period. Spiker was the darling of that bespoke supercar manufacturer mm-hmm. that had the glitziest exterior as far as the surface fit, finishes, the marketing, and the branding, and everything. Like hell, they're in Top Gear and all that good stuff. But my God, that car never had substance. It really didn't. And it, it was just never anything worthwhile. Yet, for a company that never really produced anything, all of us in this room have experienced them physically. Spiker. Spiker. Yeah, not each other. But uh, Wait, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I'm the only person that has experienced a Spiker. No, I have. Okay. I'm like in multiple continents, multiple places. I've come across them and gone... Wow, wasn't that a thing? I it just it was really it was the pioneer of this bespoke like let's resurrect an old brand and an old idea and pump some venture capital firm money into it and see if we can come up with something good and basically say, Well, you know, a car is this, it's a it's a powerful engine, it's a whole story, it's got a little pointy nose, it's great. It and was it very never, shiny. Ever was yeah. It was very shiny. Garbage. And do you, okay. Related to that, there was that like bespoke nine nine six. Do you remember this? Like it had rain speed. Is that what it was? You like mean, where like it had the, the duck nine eleven company. Um, I don't the, know. But rain speed would, would make like a fancy They would make rear... like a lease that goes underwater yeah. and stuff. Oh, oh, I don't know. This one was like extremely expensive, and it had like. Like almost like a louvered rear end. I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I purposely also on Top Gear at one face. point in time. I I swear it was Dutch because the Dutch have no concept of what a car is, and so they're always crazy looking, whatever they might be, whatever that might be. We'll fill it in here with an audio dub. It was the Denver Broncos. I, <laughs> I actually I do remember. So not that something yeah. more interesting. I remember. There was a tuner in the early 2000s, because uh, I would read Evo yeah. all the time, and there was a tuner called 9FF. You... Oh, yeah. They were they made some really- They made some really cool stuff. Really good stuff. They did some Porsche stuff. Like It was kind of like, so in the early 2000s, Roof was kind of like, no one cared. They were kind of like in the past. Yeah. 9FF was the cool Porsche tuner that was that were doing- like weird, there was like like long wheelbase Caymans. It was supposed to be the fastest car in the world. Like it was a whole. Well, there was that roof. That roof CTR three was that. I mean, also well, that was 9F... the Boxster. Yeah. Well, nine FF was doing like they were building like extremely high speed nine elevens. Based, they, they were doing like really high horsepower nine elevens made for going like on the autobahn at like two hundred and twenty, and they mm-hmm. were basing it on like the Carrera because it's like they wanted the narrow body for yeah. better aerodynamics. But then they would jam in this like tune to the gills motor and do all this lightweight stuff. I don't remember that. It was, yeah, it was cool. Weird. I do, so that nine FF to me was when I was in high school, at like fifteen years of age, or like two thousand and six. 
that I had in my like early high school laptop background. Oh, and yeah. it was uh, before I knew anything about cars. I, I liked cars. I thought cars are great. And I would search on Google Image with Safe Search on. <laughs> Did they have- that was a thing. So that was um, last year. Yeah. And then it was, you know, really fast Porsche. And I would have, and there was actually some really nice marketing pictures of the 996 GT2 from back then. It had like a really cool like red background, a bit like what yeah yeah we talked about what 911R has now with these light painting backgrounds. It was yeah, a bit yeah. like that. Yeah, and I distinctly remember images from back then. Um, and 9FF kept coming up yeah. at that point, but I had no concept what it was. It was also the same time that MG had that really weird concept car with like the side gills. The that V8. was a production car. Oh God, they made that? Yeah, they made that. And the, it was designed by uh, Peter Stevens, who designed the McLaren F1. Mm-hmm. He designed that. It was like the MG V8 TF or something. And it was awful. Was it an original like MG or was it like... I don't know. When I was in London, which was a thing that happened between our recordings, yes. I saw an MG dealership and they had... Because, you know, they have the new, like, CX-5 ripoff, yeah. which we saw in Austin. Yeah. But they also, they had, like, in the dealership as, like, a heritage model, like, the the V6, like, MG from the early 2000s. Like, really? What was that called? The, do you remember that? The, I have no idea. Okay, well. I don't either. Uh, but, well, MG is such a mystery to me. I mean, it's it looked been so almost many... like a Miata, except it was mid-engine. Yeah. But it was only in the UK oh, or Europe, I guess. Oh, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. And... As they're both looking up on their phones now. Uh, hey, just keep going. Imagine what this could possibly be. So, but I think I re- slightly recall. It was, it was the MGF. MGF. Okay, that's not what I was thinking of at all. But so it looks like a little. Oh, those, those were. It looks like a solstice with like uh, tiny Pontiac. Those had a particular grill. exposure in a market in Australia that when you. When we had early car buying websites and very limited ways to like put in what you wanted as a kid, because in Australia we have really strict laws: no V8s, nothing turbo, nothing too powerful, nothing whatever. So you put in rear-wheel drive, manual, maybe two-seat, because you know that would be something hopefully interesting that you could buy. Yeah, they kept coming up constantly. Uh, It's like a poor man's boxster. Yeah. You know, but like they were everywhere in Australia, and occasionally they did the British racing green, like a brown top, and like whatever. And you look at it and go, "That's a lot less embarrassing." Yeah, but there's a lot of those in Australia. My wow. God! Wow. Uh, is it based on something else? I think it was original. Really? This was like the last generation of MGs that had money. It wow. was like part of the Rover Group. What? Okay. What did they sell after that? Like what? What? When was the last time you could buy an MG? No, you can buy an MG today. Oh, what? I believe, can't you? Not in America, but not yeah, America, MG, obviously. Yeah. MG is owned by China now, and they have like a CX-5 ripoff, and they have other things. They're in other markets. Don't look this up. But they have like a little crossover that looks like a CX-5. And yeah. It has a giant MG badge. Yep. And they're everywhere. Like, they're everywhere in Egypt. They're everywhere in the UK. Yep. Uh, and they have like a wagon and stuff. But the last, like, I mean, I think the last like original MG products were probably in the late two thousands that so, were yeah. that were still the so, original. So the company, the company in China that bought the MG nameplate yes. to produce EVs in China, did they acquire any IP or did they acquire any manufacturing? And did they acquire any 
like professional employees or did they buy a brand that has internet indexing built in I mean, it's not just about internet indexing because they also get like this nameplate they get it's immediately recognizable everywhere they go in china no, but around the world, like they're selling these not just in China. I'm saying they're saying they're selling this all throughout Europe as a low price car. Like this is how do you how was, are you how do you as a Chinese brand like well, enter yeah. a marketplace yes. and it's like oh you come in as like there a were so many thing. like defunct British brands and this is without actually mm-hmm. knowing the history of what occurred in uh, the corporate structure. But I guess I mean it, it absolutely makes sense though. It was like basically a hollowed out brand and yeah. was just a brand plate sitting on a shelf and so that's yeah that's perfect if you're a chinese brand coming in looking for some sort of reputation instantly not that i don't think anyone is fooled into thinking like this is the i mean they're probably a little bit more reliable than the original mgs were i would assume a lot less moving parts yeah probably made a lot better yeah possibly so is there I'm actually really curious if there's like an MG site. I mean, they're still sold basically in every other market. The one that we saw was probably in Austin was probably a Mexico probably, market. Probably, yeah. And that's like the contemporary, like it's a, it looks like a nice, like average looking yeah. small crossover. Yeah. Uh, and I, and they're, I think it's very popular. Yeah. Yeah. And it is probably undercutting, you know, the other brands by a few thousand dollars yeah. in price. So is there like, Okay, what would be another dead brand that would be that could be revived as oh. like a placeholder? You know, you have I, a generic. I still think unironically, Oldsmobile would be a really I was good. Honestly, gonna say brand. Oldsmobile just because it's so weird to me that it's like the first car brand, and it's like, oh, we're gonna kill this one. Yeah. Not yeah. Buick. I know. Okay, that was always been a strange decision. It was because of the Buick was like so beloved in China. Okay, so that's what I don't understand either. Why Buick somehow resonated in China for some reason? I I mean, this is not now. This is like twenty years ago. But my my coworker, like my my boss, uh, when I worked in New York, he was he lived in China for decade, Mm -hmm. and his wife was from there, and he lived in Beijing and Hong Kong, and he. He said that like they like in China they loved these like American cars like these old American cars they they just had this reverence for like the big old American things and like Buick was the the centerpiece of that yeah. and, like but like they thought of like Volkswagen as like crap really yeah the yeah. those are the examples I mean, he wasn't a car guy but those are the examples yeah like, he was like yeah like they love Buick that's interesting and I think VW was just like garbage I just can't imagine I mean I guess like Buick. And, and this is all, I'm sure, changed a lot in yeah. the 20 years since. But that was um, the first-hand account I had. I can't imagine. I mean, Oldsmobile is still iconic, I guess. But now I can't imagine like it being revived in some way. I mean, the name itself, just like an it old, old. Yeah, yeah. mobile, an old car. <laughs> so, now, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go out on a limb and make a connection in anything automotive that would be slightly tenuous. But at the same time... He's clearly building up to something. <laughs> I, can, I can clearly link in my head similar connotations between, say, Oldsmobile and Phaeton. And it, some of these old classic luxury terms, and I can absolutely imagine it becoming. I, I think when when electric cars become this synonymous with luxury, is in been the most refined. I think bringing back that 
prohibition era grandeur really works. I think Oldsmobile is, is very, a very enduring nameplate. It died recently enough that we still remember it, but it also goes back long enough where it reinvented itself so many times and had a noble death. It, it hasn't had the decline of Buick, right? It was, it was capped. And, and so I think that you can really see Oldsmobile brought back definitely a luxury had the, transport brand. It definitely had the decline of Buick. Also, I'm going to change my answer because Oldsmobile's a Bad answer. I'm going to say uh, Venturi, which is like a French sports car company. Okay. Wait, Venturi. Still yeah. producing? Wait. No. That, okay. That's the one I would revive. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. I think Pontiac would almost be... Yeah, yeah. Like, that to me has, like, sporting intention. Mm-hmm. Although it has, like, kind of a little bit, to me at least, like, also hillbilly-esque Pony- like Pontiac, connotation. Pontiac that's popular Pontiac in America right now. Australia. Yeah. Like well, Pontiac okay. lasted way too long in Australia, and then it lasted even longer here. And we looked at that and went, Ugh. "We look to you for refinement in our like <laughs> lowest American brand." So Holden's were Pontiacs over here. Yeah, and, and y'all was selling taxis for forty grand. What? There's what? Oh, you, like if you're drunk in Australia and you want to ride home, you get in what became the Pontiac G8. Yeah. Wow. But like that was a normal thing. But that, like the G8 over there was... You're paying 40 for what cost 80 over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how metric money... With your money... dollar reduce, the work. <laughs> yeah. The Met- real things. Metric money in Australia is always a curious, curious thing. But they had like the G8 over there was, or the equivalent, the whole, was it a Commodore? Yeah, it was a Holden Commodore. Okay. But that had a like... a billion versions. Yeah. It had a billion different versions. So you would have like small engine variants over there because they don't. Uh no no because the small engine process was like a three six V six. Oh my god! Okay. It was it was still like a broad do everything. Yeah. Family sedan, you wagon, whatever it is. Were, when were they plagued initially with two liter turbo itis over there? Probably like after you left. They yeah. really weren't. So we when we started doing. Like big fuel economy upgrades on fleets, like fleet averages in those cars. Instead of making the engine smaller, we started running them on LPG. Oh, really? So you, you convert them to run on gas. Okay. And that that's really what happened. Like you get in a taxi, they run on gas. Yeah. Um, and so for us, you know, I think the most direct comparison for what like the Holden Commodore and the Ford Falcon platforms were. Yeah would be like a E-Class or a 5 Series as far as like what it was, as far as having the wagon version, having yeah. the sports version, having, we had the trade and utility version. Yeah. Um, and and so those cars are really an enduring mid-size platform in yeah. a way that, you know, those cars were developed based on what America was doing really well in the 50s. And then we just kind of stuck to an alternate timeline where it kept going. You're like Cuba, but Australia. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but we keep our shampoo and use it. <laughs> We're head and shoulders above Cuba. Oh my God! Okay, I was gonna. I did not get that reference at first, but now I do. Okay, back to like, like lots of this out. Yeah, <laughs> it's only gonna be ten minutes of content. At this <laughs> like point. the last one that Jordan was on. Yeah. So speaking of, you'd mentioned like just EVs as this premium interpreted 
like offering, I suppose. Rephrase that what you were saying earlier. Well, there was there was a number of nameplates in the you know the twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties that refinement was the name of the game. And you know, you look at the Kevin is like unbuttoning wow. his yeah, shirt. Yeah, why is he getting naked? He's, <laughs> this, as I'm talking about, he's you know, first of all, it is like 85 degrees in Houston oh. right now, and he's wearing like 87 uh, in Chris's home, one inch flannel. Yes. Anyways, this, this idea that refinement was the name of the game, and that's something that quite naturally an electric drivetrain can drivetrain can provide. Yeah, and that'd be really nice. And I think if you were to I mean, we, we're, we're seeing now the larger manufacturers are taking established nameplates and saying, well, the next generation will be the EV version of... Here's the thing. So with EV cars, just in general, do you think that the buying public, general buying public, thinks that EV automatically means premium somehow? No, but I think there's a big marketing opportunity in advertising a fresh crop of EV offerings as the luxury wafting way to travel. I think that, yeah, EVs have that potential for sure. I I understand development, like the perils of development cost uh, with EVs. I, okay, so one example right now, the, so Polestar has just come out with their SUV. And it starts at, I think, like 83000 oh, wow. something like that. And that blows my mind just a little bit because, like, it looks like maybe a mid-tier X5 competitor. I don't know what the actual dimensions are, what the offerings are on that. But I was just really surprised. And, like, for $83,000, at least in, like, the equivalent of an ICE car, you get a lot of car. Like, that's, you know, Range Rover Sport territory, a nice Range Rover Sport of well, some kind. This comes back to uh, that Aston dbx what is the what's the sticker price on that 180 250 it, it, i don't know it doesn't matter insane, they're all 200 basically 200 plus that i look at as oh that's a slightly curvy macon and i look at it and go well i just I immediately visually equate it in the same category yeah and we talked about this on the last one but it's like you know when there's a supercar it's like there's a proportion reason where it's like this is not like a yeah. ford mustang or any sports car that's not one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. yeah but with a, an suv that's two hundred thousand dollars it's like well this has exactly the same but, size and proportion just because of limitations yeah. as any other suv and this is the crux of what Across i was over. saying that if you're going to launch yourself into a luxury ev segment don't change an established current nameplate into an ev establish a new luxury ev proportion and market that and that's the interesting thing because polestar that's kind of what they're doing because volvo's also also coming out with the xe90 i believe Okay. That could be wrong, but anyways, it's basically it's a new platform. It's not going to be like XC90 or anything like that based. But the cars are pretty expensive. Like the Polestar Two, like the one that you yeah. had was. I mean, I was sticker shock at the fact. I mean, it starts at forty, I think forty three or something like that. Yeah. But the one that you had was like sixty, almost seventy thousand dollars. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Something like that, and I didn't quite understand. I mean, I, I realize that, you know, it's a really well-optioned one. Right. But uh, at the same time, like, I 
I don't know if, like, at the end of the day, people are just looking at EVs right now as, like, automatically premium options. Are people are accepting this right now. I'm just not the target market as far as, like, an EV buyer goes. I mean, goes. it uses a lot of factors. Like, cars are just more expensive. Just Cars yeah. are just more expensive than we think. Like, yeah. more expensive than we think we know they yeah. are just now. And then also, it's luxury buyers. And also, it's, like, there's a lot of expense and they, they're like, we can pass some of this on to the customer if they're going to get that yeah. government tax rebate. So, it's, yeah. you know, it's just it's just all of these factors. But, yeah. yeah, it is interesting because it is luxury segment sure, economics. Yeah. You know, we, I'm, and I guess maybe to come full circle on this, I think what the prime example of all this is like the Model 3. And I think a lot of people look at that as like a luxury vehicle. And yeah, absolutely. It isn't. Right. Like, it's not that well. I mean, like, it's just... I don't. I can't even think of like the equivalent ice car. Uh, that would be like a Model Three and like a, a top of the line Camry, like in terms of like build quality. I mean, not actually build quality. I think Camry is built far better. But in terms of like niceness, I guess. But I think a lot of people, yeah, like they view that EV drivetrain as and the big screen, right, as it making it a, a a premium offering of some kind anyways end of whatever that was that i was getting on about on to the next well so jordan and i sold a tesla yes on speaking of which cars and list <laughs> craigs and bids uh if you can't tell uh we may have a chip on our shoulders just slightly I'm about just... like what cars and list craigs and list cars uh, <laughs> craigs and bids you just dragged out the same thing i just i know said. i just really wanted to emphasize this okay well thank you uh and, so, and i've completely removed the entire experience from my brain so i can't remember okay what okay well the, let's dial it back this jordan, way so jordan and i i won't let him go into salesperson mode but we have a business called europa touring limited where we provide services to where i provide extremely limited sales working yes we sell cars on auction websites and so far we've done 10 cars i think about that yeah, yeah primarily we're working on, our way towards a dozen primarily on bring a trailer we're getting to the eye roll period of the business where i get to take to kevin hey we can sell something and he goes uh and then delivers amazing photography I'm always excited to do something new. It's like, it's, it's yeah, always fun. It's lovely. You did do one thing new that was perhaps less exciting for you. Which is selling a Tesla, I think. Yes. So, <laughs> as I understand it, yes. Bring a Trailer has only ever sold, auctioned off, one Tesla. and One Tesla that wasn't a Roadster. It was not a Roadster. Yes. So, it was a Model S owned by, owned by Jay Leno. Jay Leno. Yes. Uh, and... And that was Jordan, the... I have to give him credit for being an optimist, said, wouldn't it be great if we were the next one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, I said, as an optimist, <laughs> let's give it a go. And then Kevin put the manifest destiny on that, which is, wouldn't it be great if they did this one? <laughs> um, and to bring a trailer's response, they said, yeah, we're open to this. Upload the pictures, upload the information. If we like the car, we'll sell the car. And we did everything to a particular standard that they've been very happy with up until now. And then said, yeah, we're not going to sell that. <laughs> and 
we'll clarify here. This was a Model X. What variant? It was the P90D. Okay. I believe okay. it was like 2017. It was late first year. Okay. Um, do and you know? Yes. The rear spoiler does not go up and down. I learned that from yes. you. I learned that from looking this up, and it was because the first the first run, the first few months of production, the spoiler was a retractable spoiler. You okay? Yes, this is amazing. And this then, is absolutely amazing. Like when you look at it, it's. It's it's just molded plastic, but it looks like a retractable spoiler. That is absolutely so. When you told me this, and this is, I learned it from you when you yeah. were shooting that car. I learned it. That's how I learned it. I was literally with the car. I was on site. I was like, okay, I'm gonna retract the spoiler you, so you, I can take photos of it. You told me, and I said, I don't know. I've never driven it, and I want one. I know, but I literally was looking this up on forums, and that's how I found out that like, oh, there's actually not even a mechanism. It yeah. is just molded plastic mounted. And here we are. We have been judging, rightly so. Judging uh, owners for driving all these with the owners up. with a spoiler up, and I'm thinking like, why does everyone have the spoiler <laughs> up on these? Well, just just like Jordan has a dog that looks like a dingo, this <laughs> is a spoiler that looks like a retractable spoiler. Yes, we wouldn't judge them if they didn't have yeah. a retractable spoiler looking ass spoiler. And I I so when you mentioned this, I went on. At least my dingo can carry a baby. <laughs> well, yes, it's true actually, and sometimes we'll eat it. Yeah, and uh, so I looked this up. I googled it. Afterwards, and of course, like the Tesla forums were just like full of like, uh, like, do I have the retractable? Spo- How do I like retract it? And then it turns out you can't retract it after a certain year. I guess after the first year, it's like, like that. six months into the production of the yeah. first year, because I think the first year was 2017. That is insane. Or maybe it's, the first year was 2016. Anyway, yeah, this was a 2017. Which, I think the the broader the broader topic about this entire experience is both the v- vapid enthusiasm of early adopters of tech. Which the Model X still is. It's still an early adoption of that tech. The second thing is is the the imminent proliferation of vaporware in cars. You look at you know BMW with a subscription based options list. Kevin and I found out the hard way that when you sell a car popular in California to people who then want everything, yes that we were selling a car that all the options existed in software yes. and not physically or mechanically in the car. And so we're selling a car as is that in between when we sell the car to when they buy the car in that digital instant, the car itself can change completely. So uh, I like I checked in on your options, just I was curious. Every once in a while, I would see... A question pop up that it seemed not only could you not answer, but neither could the manufacturer answer. Yeah. Well, see, Tesla's not a real car company, so there's not a <laughs> firm policy on something that is rather important, like does free supercharging transfer yeah. ownership? That, like, they literally don't have an answer for that. Yeah. And if they, and, and it could change. You might, you, the, the best we could get was a text message. From someone that yeah. kind of confirmed it, and that was like, "This is all we have to go on." You know, and, and, there's and, no policy. And Insane. so many cars contemporary to that do exist on a software basis. But like, for example, in our shop, we have a, a Porsche factory scan tool that's jailbroken. We have engineering mode, and I can go and hard code in features. Like I can go into 
deep and deep and deep options where I'm I'm selecting yes have this feature IMS, yes or no IMS off whereas <laughs> whereas these Tesla employees don't even have that access yeah. to their own cars because it's centrally run by bad Skynet yep right <laughs> they don't know it's called Starlink yeah yeah the, the free service that Ukraine's getting, right? Yeah, yeah I love that. Trying to get back to um, that person. <laughs> but that's the thing. These Tesla employees are plugging in to a central nervous system computer-esque kind of idea. Yeah. And it could be automatically changed. So they can't say what they can or can't deliver in the future because they have no control over it. Yeah. In a way that... I can be directed by Porsche themselves to do a particular thing and I could choose to not do it. They don't have that option. And that's what makes it really hard. We're selling a car as is that on the day we sell it can have a feature. Yep. And on the split second after it cannot have that feature. And then who who answers for that? I tell you what it is you i assume in dealing with what i would imagine would be a very reasonable buyer without naming names how would you rate the selling experience from the buyer that you may have had to deal with following this and if we need to bleep this out for reputational sake that's fine too this one in particular is fine because here here is a, a guy that was trying to look out for what he felt he invested in. He was a prick. It was really difficult dealing with him. But at the same time, he was saying, I bought a car with this kind of shit and I kind of expected to have it. And what are you going to do to kind of work with me on that? And the reality was, is there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Um, and we, we spent a lot more effort on selling that car, confirming the features, doing everything we have on the other eight or nine that we've sold um most most people have been super happy yeah like it's it's been really really easy because people get their dream car yeah enjoyed it but the reality is is that selling that tesla was more like selling a washing machine yeah or a dryer or a fridge to someone who expects it to work i mean it was like selling an iphone on ebay and then dealing with like an annoying customer yes yeah yeah like we've done that and it's Mm. We don't do that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this w- And we should note, I guess, Europa Limited does not typically sell Tesla's represent... I don't know if you guys have uh, specific qualifications to meet whatever standard, but this was for a yeah, friend. Yeah, this is and- all Harris's fault. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If we have to bleep out her name, it's Harris's fault. <laughs> there, there's kind of like a value thing where it's like, well, you know, a certain price, it doesn't make sense to hire us for, for this service. But so anything that is in a price point is like a, it is a candidate if the car has that value, but this car uh, maybe is not one we yeah, would do again. That threshold, by the way, is $8,400. Well, <laughs> right. I, I actually changed my answer. It, it, it's mostly Harris's fault, but it's also Kevin's fault because Kevin's really good at photographing things. Yeah. So he's, he gives me this picture of this Tesla Model X with the wings stuck up. And I go, well, you know what? 
This is pretty pictures. I think we can I, sell this. If, it's good if I might. Uh, counterpoint. I get lulled into a false insecurity. If I might counterpoint. Add, if Bat said, send it, Bat said, let's take a look. And then they saw the pictures. So I'm like, yeah, we don't want this. Like, <laughs> maybe if it was presented better. Maybe if I had done better. Honestly, I have never seen a 17-inch center stack screen <laughs> better shot it than was that. So, it was so ugly. You had the idea of, like, shoot it in night mode. And that was a really good idea. Have you have you had the chance to do that yet? Yes. Okay. Yeah, with a Ford Lightning. Oh, a few yeah. Months ago, okay. I shot a Lightning and I found the night mode, yeah. and that made a difference. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. For the interior photos, what I'm talking about is the interior photos. You're shooting this like interiors are already kind of challenging enough, and then when when it's 50% screen and it's bright white, it's just so ugly. Yeah. It's, it looks so bad, and I, uh, I can't imagine trying to balance the exposure yeah, too yeah. on that, but. Yeah. So, so so I did a lightning and it was it came out much better. Okay. Doing the night mode. Well, so. get used to it because that's the that's, that's gonna be the future every from here now. on out. Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is that interior luxury or utility? This was utility because yeah, like this was also like kind of like a working workman version F one fifty, like the commercial one. But I don't think it gets that much more luxury just because yeah. the F one fifty is like it's not a big range. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to rehash this because it's been had in automotive circles, but it can't be luxurious if it doesn't have a push button. A push button like like a dedicated button is luxury. Yeah. A screen. Oh, you mean just like a buttons screen for everything. Like yeah. You I, gotta you gotta work that. I would agree with you. I am of the '90s mindset mm-hmm. in which every feature needs to have a button. If there are too many buttons, there are too many features. You don't need them. I I this is reminiscent like just like I tweeted something about like my old Celsius, which had a button for everything, mm-hmm. and this one being like the top spec one had even more buttons. It, it must have been an eighty count button car, <laughs> but. I am also reminiscent of uh, this. Reminds me of like old Mercedes, like uh, like a W140. When you had a top spec European or Japan market car, it had just buttons up and down the console that was not available in any other market as well, or in the U.S. market at the very least. But that to me represented luxury. But now, no buttons. What does that mean? Actually, what luxury means now? A screen, a huge screen. What is made in the last 10 years the most luxurious car you've been in? It's not a car that I like all that much, but it, it is the, the Bentley, the Continental GT. That's really my answer, too, is like I drove one of those in like 2015. I mean, just because everything's quilted. They should yeah. quilt the glass. No, that would be luxury. That, that really is. That really is I hate quilting so much. I, but it's luxury. <sighs> and I don't, I don't necessarily like the car all that much and i don't even like the styling direction of the interior yeah but i do very much enjoy the plushness of it i've sat in a lot I, like i've not been driven in um but i have sat in a lot of like two by two luxury cars like an autobiography range rover um, yeah that's probably pretty good well which, if you're in the back seat it's probably really which nice. actually honestly if i might just say that is ultimate luxury where you have this massive SUV mm-hmm. and it only seats four people mm-hmm. and the, it's all about like the back seat. That is luxurious. This is a good segue to another topic I had. Yes. Which is about uh, sacrifices. 
and in cars and and what makes a car special and, and it got me thinking again we're talking about these like super premium suvs and mm. just and the i mean you kind of opened my eyes in our last discussion how like yeah you could have this dbx you could have this urus or you could have this ferrari Puro sangua but like imagine getting all this attention but like in this suv like that yeah. would just be mortifying for me to yes. have this attention seeking car but like you you don't like you're driving just this regular ass suv that is like literally a grocery getter like it's very boring like there's nothing cool about it like it's so attention grabbing but it's not cool but yeah. it also isn't like like when you in a sports car you give up something you give up practicality yeah and, and what i think about is when we were at the audio show and we sat in like the genesis like the g90 oh, yeah. and yeah. you're like the type is too big on these buttons like it's 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 <laughs> yes. too easy it's too easy like you need to give something up and so it's like there is a time and place especially with our daily drivers or whatever for like a car where it's just like everything's easy everything does it for you but like is that ever special can you really connect with that like there is something to be said for making things a little bit difficult making you suffer just a little bit with something yes. and and then it's like that's how that's what luxury you to a car. luxury is suffering in some form <laughs> a little bit it is I, I mean if you think about it it is kind of weird but you have all of these like you know the ultimate luxury versions of suvs where it's a four-seat car you're sacrificing the fact that it is an suv you cannot fold down the seats you can only sit four seat four people into this large vehicle. It is a sacrifice. Yeah, I mean the other thing, and the other thing that I left out is that cars are emotional yeah. choices, like more than almost anything. It is emotional choices, and this is this plays to that. Yep, yep. You know, I can't. It's not explainable. It's not. It doesn't make logical sense. But just, I, I feel like you you have to suffer just a little bit for it to really have something be special and bond with it which i, I love this because it, it really does it, it it's very evocative what kevin's saying going back to when we had the final watershed moment oh, of no. when cars stopped being a compromise <laughs> and started being very dull and appliances it started getting real 2010 oh my god all right just say the thing you've been uh, wanting to say this whole time jordan only agreed to come onto the podcast if he could bring up this topic and here we are I'm oh, we're out of time <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking for anyone out there who sit me down and tell me like i'm five that any car built after 2010 is worth a shit because the cars that came after are better, they have more, they have more stuff, more things. But I am racking my brain. All right, I'll throw one out there. And this is a car that was in my list. I had actually written the note about suffering in cars and the sacrifice in cars and the the Boxster Spider. Like the fact that the top is difficult and finicky. It's not difficult. It's not like the 2007. I know the 2016 is not that difficult, but it's just it's a little bit wonky. It's a yeah. little bit more effort. Like that is endearing yeah. in this way. That is like oh, like it is not the easiest thing. And, and, yeah. and I like that. And I I would throw that out there as a great car made in, after 2010. In general, that is a very good car that has been made. In fact. There have been many Porsches after 2010. I think they're seemingly very good. I'll throw some, like maybe some more norm core stuff out there too. Lexus LC 500, pretty good car. Naturally car. aspirated V8. I, I I like them. I've driven a couple. I don't. 
it fulfills it does exactly as promised it's not a driver's car it is in fact just a very luxurious car coupe with sporting intentions and it fulfills that need quite well that v8 sounds so good i do like that engine but when was that engine developed the the five liter lexus engine Oh, so you're trying to say that it gets grandfathered <laughs> in as an old car? Yeah. God, this is oh a, my this god! Is a Just because out. of the engine, that car was released after 2010. It was released but after it, like 2016. What if, but what if that? What if that car had an engine that was designed after 2010? It would be worse. Unquestionably, it'd be a two-liter inline four. It'd be a three-liter V6, much like the current Land Cruiser is. Also, I mean, he Kevin would not agree with this, but I think ultimate no, SUV. And I, I, I do, I do like the. The uh, 981 Boxer Spiders, I think they're good. That's what I was referring yeah. to. Which, I, yes, I know, because the newest, newest, newest one is too close to the GT4 and has too many nannies and too much shit in the way. What about, okay, I guess this does not qualify for you because I think 997.2s, uh, no, they're 09, I guess, so that doesn't qualify. Yeah, and, and so my. My watershed car, 2010 is a nice round number. My real watershed car is one of the last, well, the most modern cars that I've gotten in and driven and absolutely loved was a regular base early 458. I really, really enjoyed that. And when I got to drive the 488, I was like, nah, nah, there's too much whoosh, not enough, like, actual power mm. going on right right um and I, I feel like that about most things i mean the the modern gt3s and the modern gt4s and we can bring it down market a little bit i mean i would say that the gti so mark uh seven gti decent i i honestly like i think the mark seven is like kind of like an evolution of the mark 6 which was an evolution of the mark 5 i mean but a completely different i mean it was a, a completely different platform right so i i, I mean that's I, the gti though like it's always I, I do have a lot of exposure here because i haven't driven any of those i've owned and gti didn't like it it was mark 6 mark 7 though driven one pretty decent car i mean it seemed much more upmarket for what it was, for what you were paying. You put like you, how many miles did you put on that GTI? Because I think it was like two hundred, five hundred miles. <laughs> was it five hundred? Yes, I did not like it. Sold it, but it just didn't fit my needs. It was fine. It was, a, it was the best, extremely normal car that I had ever known, other aside from my three hundred and thirty Land Cruiser E ninety. That one was a different class of car. Boring. Best car ever. <laughs> I just say that to irk Kevin, but uh, so okay. There are other cars. I mean, we could spend, I think, all day long here. Cars, okay, what is the marker for you? What is the technological engineering, the feels? What is it about that marker, 2010, for you? So if I, if I had to really sit down and pick like what the best year of cars was in my lifetime that I can kind of experience and know, it would be 2005, 2006. You had the Carrera GT, the SLR McLaren, you had uh, the, the early Zonda, you had a whole bunch of stuff that came out in that particular year as these big mid-engine supercars with no real traction control, no real ABS, none of that stuff. Yeah. And then post that, 
you had the the nice track revisions of a lot of the the entry level sports cars that, that benefit from that technology. You had the you know, nine and six GT threes, you had three sixty challenge Stradales, you had a whole bunch of really cool stuff in kind of your mid two thousands through late two thousands, and then by twenty ten. You had the release of the 458. You had the release of the 991. You had the release of, of, of these sports cars where they started intrinsically changing the formula, the so electric power steering, is it, dual clutches. That kind okay. Of thing. Uh, yeah, electric power steering is one of those things. However, people do and have done electric power steering for a long time, even before 2010. But there was a difference. Okay. The difference being that after 2010, the revisions of those cars that existed, they started adding interference and or driver assist tech. You know, you, 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 drive a, you drive a 2022 GT4 and it runs on three cylinders all the time. You, you, you press the clutch and you can feel an ABS valve that's modulating line pressure to stop you stalling it. And all of that will make the car faster, more efficient, objectively better in metrics. But you you sure. you're driving the car less. At twenty ten was the peak where we built some really batshit insane stuff you had to drive. And from twenty ten onwards, the car is driving more. And you're going faster, using less fuel, but enjoying it less. Sure. I think you are on to something about yeah. like um, technology intervening and also obviously uh, efficiency having intervened and just kind of killing, numbing some things. I think we're also kind of coming around. So to the end of the ice era, like so... You have a point to make, as you've pointed a finger. Just Go keep on. Going. Just keep no, going. so the 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 remake of the Alpine A110. What yes. year was that? 2018? Yeah, something like that. Stand corrected. Great car. Have you driven one? No, no, no. no Looks it's, great on paper. Right, pretty cool. Fantastic. I mean, from everything, it had no ABS. I don't even have any ABS. I didn't even have power steering. I think I had nothing. Okay. I thought the to be confirmed, I have no idea, but I don't. Know. I cannot I believe that that would be the case in twenty. Think it has some of those things, but I think it. Was, I think it is a good car. I think it's a good car. I've seen I mean, it. Maybe wrong. Maybe I just had like a weird fever dream that it was the car that I wanted. Yeah. But here's the thing. I, I've like, seen a few of them, but I've not yeah. driven one. Ah uh, man, I there are just cars. The thing is that like it's now just so much more nuanced and. It is a bigger question of car for the purpose, and have certain cars gotten worse? Sure, like the three series, definitely the three gotten series, worse. Every, yeah, objectively worse. But I mean, but even good cars where it's like, yes, it's moved the numbers, but it's lost. Things. Yeah, I, like we are all we're all enthusiasts here who have realized that there is now like a lost cause in the chase for the number, and so you know performance numbers that is. And so, yes, like a lot gets lost. I mean, like modern day BMW is a prime example of that where like it's just all like lost. I mean, like who can truly enjoy? I mean, like there are people who enjoy owning a car that has certain numbers. Yeah. And so that's a, the modern day BMW owner. And Porsche, at the very least, I think 
caters less to that. Sure, you, if you want to buy a turbo, you want to buy a GT2, it will get you all the numbers you want all day long. Or you can buy GT3 Touring, not the fastest car in the lineup, but pretty good and good at giving you what you want out of a modern day car as much as the feels can give you can get out of a modern day car. So I don't know. It's just different, I guess. I think there are many cars that we could list in this post-2010 apocalypse that you are referring to. Kevin and I might say that we don't know what you're on about, but... I kind of do. I think I'm kind of convinced. Really? Yeah. Ooh, okay. I mean, because it's like everything that's important to me about a GT3 is like... Uh, it's like kind of not... Like, yeah, like, the, it's it's not just that they're... I'm not grouping them with BMW of chasing the numbers, but, I mean, Porsche is chasing numbers. Sure. And there are other refinements, and I say that with us wagging my finger. Uh, like, there are things that are refined, and it's like, so, like, this GT3, it's like, I'm probably, like, this less than the previous one as far as, like, things okay. that I'm going to connect with on the road so or whatever, or, you know, and, if, then, and then again for the one before that. If I toss out, like, ND Miata... Great car, post twenty ten. Post twenty ten. That's uh, I really like that answer. It's really good. I really like that answer. Cars gonna, can gonna, still have modern tech. We're gonna cut off Jordan. We're cutting off his <laughs> microphone. Uh, we're not allowing him to speak. That's a gr- that's a really good answer. I like that. That's the thing is that I think the formula still exists even within the context of modern technology. I mean, we're synthesizing sounds. Perhaps we can yeah. synthesize feeling. We haven't achieved it yet. Well, in the conversation there, as far as this goes... We've synthesized a great feeling in this 5,000-pound C63 with a 1-liter inline 4. 5,000 pounds? Is this the lightweight version? Yeah. <laughs> Is it like 5,700 yeah. or something? Oh, uh, uh, uh. No, no. So what they've done is they've gone back to the 6.3. When you and start... 6.3 in that regard is actually the amount of volts that you need to run the screen. It's actually 6.2 volts. Can we? Can you <laughs> scroll? Can you scroll back? Can you put that at the beginning where we both groaned at the same time and put that at the start? Yes, I mean okay. that's the essence of the podcast, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. oh my god. Okay, so that is basically we've come to no conclusion. No, yes. No, although I did just look it up there, the A110. Like the modern version has a pure version. Okay. Nothing. Wow. So a track yeah. version that no, no, has it's, nothing. It's nothing. It's just, it's... That's what Gordon Murray drives daily. Wait, at 110, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Because he had an F1, but he, he sold, it. sold it. Yeah. Okay. So what's left? Do you think he regrets that? No. No, he doesn't. Like no, like no, because he sold thing. he sold it like three years ago. Like it's not oh, like he sold it okay. in the nineties. He sold it for like twenty plus or thirty million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And, Can you and imagine? he bought he bought like a bunch of weird old cars that he always wanted. Yeah. He has like he helped fund his company. Yeah, and like and he was like the liability of that car was just too much. Like yeah. he's he's driven thousands and thousands, probably tens of thousands of miles in F in F ones over the decades. Like he got his time. If if he ever wants to drive another one, he could probably call dozens and of people. He, is is there a car that will be built that will ever be hallowed as much as the F one? No, no, uh, no. I mean, mm. it's like I said. I mean, to to your point, like I said when I drove 
the the 996 GT3, and I was like, it sucks that the best car, sports car ever made. It might not be this, but it's already been made. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, we're not going to make something better than this. Isn't that, like, okay, so that's the true shame of the post-2010 era. We hit the era of, of massively diminishing returns three or four years ago. And we're just now at the point of ending what is the NAICE engine. And so you look at you look at some of these companies that run like a big V12 and a mild hybrid system. You look at companies that run really small, you know, high pressure V8 twin turbo cars with a mild hybrid system. Performance wise, they're pretty much the same. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The V12 you know, stopped really having an and, advantage and, and we, years ago. Yeah, and we, but we almost got to a point where companies started admitting that, and they started thinking, "Hang on, they can get to sixty in two and a half seconds. We can get to sixty in two and a half seconds. Yeah. What is the more emotive thing for the buyer?" And they tried a little bit, and then they nothing stuck. And now we're in a post-2010, post-mild hybrid supercar era of, well, it's the Hermes edition. It's the, the Mira Heritage edition. It's the this edition of the same thing. And what they're doing is they're pulling one category down, one category up, and changing some of what you can tactilely feel in the car because the numbers on the spreadsheet of what it can physically do haven't really changed in an appreciable sense. The numbers keep getting better. They keep getting better by slimmer and slimmer margins constantly. Sure. And they've got to pay some really clever people to keep doing clever shit. And the incremental gains are, are, are driving these cars that are all calibrated. And you figure, I can calibrate car A, B, and C. It's the same thing. But we can charge vastly different prices for the three of them. Welcome to the future. Wow. Living in it sucks. This is literally the future. So not only can you cal- calibrate the engine, but you can just basically make any feature of the car a subscription. So, I mean, if I can engine swap a full cell of the car by just downloading a disc to make it sound better, I'm in. <laughs> you can. You can just download a <laughs> wave. You can download a dot wave file to uh, make it sound like anything you want it to sound like. That is, I think, 100% of BMWs nowadays. Mm-hmm. You can pipe in whatever noise, essentially, you want to pipe in. So. You see that M2? Yeah. It's really bad. It's but I bad. also think that the last two series was ugly. I don't. I'm not. It was just on, really mediocre. I'm not on with you. I'm not with you on that one because I think the last M2 looked pretty the good. The last M2 looked okay, but the last two series was a mediocre car, uh, like visually. That's the last to me. One of the last enthusiast BMWs that you could get, like the very base model, yeah. was engaging. Sure. The 228i manual, very basic form, 5050, the whole thing. As an E90 335i owner, bad person. Yeah, no, I own a three thirty i. I own I own the last N A. Yeah. Yeah, but I the three thirty five. Oh dear. Not I, you think that's better. You're smiling as a better, it's not. Oh, it's definitely better. God. <laughs> I disagree. I think the BMW jumped the shark well before the two series ever existed. Oh yeah, BMW died in like two thousand six. Yes. Which is ten years now. I agree. Like year of my car. Yeah, okay, so the two thousand five. <laughs> <laughs> I was being generous. No, but, it, but firmly, I, I, I think 
BMW released the two series, and then I didn't know who would buy it. And the they sold a bunch. Did they? They didn't sell any. Uh, they don't sell anything that doesn't have X3 or X5 right. on the back. Yeah, that, that's the thing is that I don't even think the one series sold that well. Although, no. like that should have been like their kind of CLA. The one Mercedes series CLA. Sold really well in Australia. The one, oh yeah, I would imagine the other, five, other like markets. The five door hatch. Yeah. 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 Which is funny because it always, it always looked like it was bent in the middle. Like yes. It had that weird side mm-hmm. skirt. Yeah. Design. I grew to love that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think those are cool. Because even my the well, you had an E90, I had an E90, and it it had that in a lesser form. But mm. the one series, honestly, if I could find like a 128 right now M Sport, I'd be tempted a little bit. So all of ours in Australia were hatchbacks, and then it really exacerbated that kind of idea. Yeah. Um, and. Heaven knows where those cars are now, because they were all out in the eastern suburbs. Of yeah. So you you like the one series hatchback? No, no, I didn't. I didn't like it at at all. You didn't? Okay, I'm gonna. I'll. No. And you also didn't like the E46 hatchback. Curious. No, it was a terrible. <laughs> okay, that one was hideous. But... Oh, but it's great. Oh. I mean, it's like it's bad, but good. Yeah, it's I mean, bad. We as Americans are going to be naturally drawn to the forbidden drawn to, Yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll call those fine. We yeah. had like because the only BMW hatchback realistically that we had was the E thirty six three eighteen Ti. Mm. The which now we ironically like, but yeah. at the time it was kind of a joke. It was a joke, yeah, because it basically it was all E thirty. Uh, that one was even more than the E thirty six. Yeah, oh yeah. It was just like a company's really tepid answer to the golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was... Did not work out well here. Yeah. Uh, although now, are we into hatches? Because I feel like sportbacks are basically that. Uh, I mean. I don't know. Like, there's so few cars left. Like, anything that's not a crossover <laughs> is just circling the drain. Like, it's true. not like anything that is, is taking true. off. It's not like, like, oh, yeah, people are into this. Like, oh, when's so wagons coming the, back? It's like, we don't even have sedans. What's, yeah. the, current best, what's the current best hatchback on the market? True Probably hatchback? The best, best hatchback or best selling? The, the best. like a Good? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, it's the GTI, probably. Like, is there something I'm thi- not know, thinking but of? But no one likes the Mark No, 8. no one likes the Mark 8. But, but everyone likes the Golf R. And... Yeah. Driving-wise, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mark 8. Never driven one. But uh, it's probably phenomenal. Unfortunately, like, it's just down. Like, it's basically being pulled down by modern things, meaning the UI. The tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The UI UX. But best hatchback. Probably Corolla. Veloster. Oh, Veloster really? Turbo. But that's like on the way out. It might be out of production okay. right now. Okay, yeah. I was going to say Corolla GR, but uh, uh, we so, have not well, yet. Like the Veloster, like the N version. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Very, yeah very true, accurate. true. Everyone is on about that. So, uh, But it might be out of production right now. It is very like previous generation. But not, well, not what you would think, right? No, I have no opinions. Okay. Best hatch is going to be the GR Corolla. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This yeah. is after 2010. I have yeah. no opinions. I but think, yeah. what's the best sedan <laughs> on sale today? Oh, there aren't many. It's probably going to be, first of all, I'm honest, it's going to be Mercedes or Genesis. 
So those That's are fair. I saw an S class Maybach in the two tone. Yeah. Like the new one. Okay. It was really cool. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Like I saw like, I saw it driving and watching it. it was I still have like, a problem. Tan, it was like the tan and, and black. Yeah. It was really cool. I'm that not is opposed to slightly more fortuitous than I expected. My I'm... my profound comment was supposed to be you keep coming back to the Koreans and the Germans. <laughs> okay. And then you've you've really lent into the Maybach thing and kind of unbalanced <laughs> i am not opposed to the my box the only thing is i don't care for the modern my box with the two-tone where the paint is split not by a trim piece but rather just a line of paint so it's still not as bad as the my eqs where <sighs> there's like the weird fender reach yeah thing. Was, it doesn't uh, have that it was like the mid to late 2000s my year like the 57 and 57s the same as that was the last time Maybach was just a standalone brand. Oh, and, also, and now it's a trim. Can I interrupt you? Yes. Uh, best hatchback and best sedan are yes. both Tycan. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I, you could, I, oh, you you're could, an asshole. You could not that. count that as hatchback, I get, because it's like not really. Like, but it's a, sport, it's a sportback, and well, we're going to count it. Well, it's a Forsenberry base. Yeah. We're going to count it. We're going to count yeah. it. Uh, otherwise... We killed off all of like the good hatches, like the Probe GT. Probe GT. <laughs> oh, it doesn't really matter. Like cars are just like on a dime. <laughs> We're on a downward spiral here with yeah everything. Anyways, it's so a real optimistic episode. Oh, I know. Anyways, we are, I believe, at the end of a podcast that was here. A pod. Yeah. So. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Jordan, for joining us on this mm. adventure. <laughs> Like no one's happy. He's at the not end of this. really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, that's fine. Damn it! You said them. Yeah. You have had a. You've had a. You had the microphone literally. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, do follow us on New for ninety six at New for ninety six. I should say on Instagram, Instagram. and Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, all the same. Gmail, if you want to email us for some reason, send us an email. Spell us out at new four ninety six, all spelled out. Yep. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.